0: The American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe.
1: Good afternoon everyone. Um, my name is Raja Eli Noor. I'm uh, here at doing this podcast with my mentor, Bruce Levy. Hi everyone. Uh, so I am a uh, physician investigator at the Brigham and Women's Hospital. I'm in my second year of a, um, a mentored uh, NIH-funded grant, the KOA grant, and um, Bruce is my mentor. I'm gonna Bruce, I'm going to let you introduce yourself.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm a pulmonary critical care medicine doctor and scientist, and today we're going to be talking about resolution, and this is an area that's been an interest of mine and laboratory for over two decades. We're very excited to be part of this uh, podcast uh, talking more about resolution.
1: So um, I think one cool thing to to talk about is how I actually got into the field. Um, Prior to uh, embarking on my residency program, I was very, very interested in ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, and trying to understand how um it it, the pathogenesis and how we can block uh, the onset of the disease and uh, when i finished my uh, my clinical my clinical fellowship now now at the brigham um, i sat with bruce and and uh, he talked me about his research and and told me about uh, resolution of inflammation and uh, honestly it was like a eureka moment Um, i've always thought like many that uh, resolution of inflammation really happens passively, uh, just I remember from reading from my textbook uh, Robinson Cotran as a, as a medical student, that just cytokines would dissipate, cells would melt away, and everything just gets better merrily on its own. But now, to work by uh, by many in the lipid fields, such as Charles Serhan and others, we now know that the resolution of inflammation is an active process uh, that 's orchestrated by many cell types and 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 in part by specialized pro-resolving mediators, pro-resolving lipid mediators. We know that there are proteins and cytokines and even gases such as carbon monoxide that can mediate uh, resolution. But in this podcast, we're just going to focus on polyunsaturated fatty acid-derived pro-resolving lipid mediators.
0: So let me jump in here, Rajan, just for a minute and say, first of all, that uh, resolution is something that has become a very hot topic uh, for study recently uh, in the lung, but also in many other tissues and organs. And it's starting to provide a window into the distinction between health and disease. And I think it's important that we talk about some of the molecular components first, and then in the podcast, what we'll do is we'll evolve to uh, talk a little bit about some clinical translation and therapeutic opportunities and even future directions. But let's start at the at the beginning, if you will, and let's talk about some of the specific molecular mechanisms and their signaling pathways that actually promote resolution. There's a group of mediators that are called SPMs, uh, for short. Uh, they're Specialized Pro-Resolving Mediators. And this is a field that grew up in a very interesting way. So I think it's worth uh, taking a moment to think about this. Charlie Sirhan uh, was studying in the Karolinska Institute at the time that the Nobel Prize was awarded to Banks Samuelson and colleagues in 1982. And in that setting, Charlie discovered an arachidonic acid product, the lipoxins, that were structurally and functionally distinct from prostaglandins and leukotrienes, and they appeared to inhibit neutrophils. And this was different than what was seen for the other arachinonic acid derived products. Once the science started to look at the effects of lipoxins on monocytes and macrophages, it became clear that it was actually stimulating monocytes and macrophages. So here was a molecule that could inhibit neutrophils, but actually stimulate macrophages. And it did it in a non phlogistic way. So in a way that didn't produce fever, in other words. And all of a sudden, uh, the window became clear that we're not talking about anti-inflammatory, immunosuppressive type actions, but what we're actually talking about is uh, facilitation of a resolution of an acute inflammatory response. Because of course, neutrophil trafficking occurs in advance of when the uh, monocyte macrophages and lymphocytes traffic into an inflamed tissue. And here in that interspace between neutrophils and macrophages and lymphocytes, these lipoxins were doing some pretty cool and interesting things. So in addition to the arachidonic acid, uh, derived mediators, we now have learned that there are omega-3 fatty acid derived mediators that are SPMs. And this is interesting because arachnonic acid and omega-3 fatty acids are essential fatty acids. So they're essential to health, and we need to acquire them in our diet. And the omega-3 fatty acids were identified using preclinical model systems that spontaneously resolved. And by doing, in a blinded, unbiased way, lipidomics, uh, there was the emergence concomitant with resolution of a group of omega-3-derived fatty uh, acid-derived mediators. And uh, these have been elucidated. So we know their structures. We know their biosynthetic pathways. And these have been termed now resolvents protectins, and merizans. And to step back just a moment, resolvins can come from either of the two major omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA. So EPA-derived resolvins are called E-series resolvins, and there are three of them now. Uh, In terms of DHA, we know that there are D-series resolvins, and we now know that there are six of them. In addition to these, as I mentioned, there are There's protectins and protectin D1 is currently the most important one to know about and for merisins there's now three different merisins that have been identified, merisins 1, 2, and 3. And then lastly, uh, it's been newly recognized that there are sulfidal conjugates of the resolvins, protectins, and merisins and we're still learning about uh, their signaling properties and their biological properties. But these are important mediators that are agonists at receptors. And Raja, why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about what we know about the receptors?
1: Yeah. So, like you just said, there's many. There are many recept- Many SPMs um, from the, derived from uh, the three main uh, uh, polyunsaturated fatty acids. And what's interesting is that although there are so many of them, they really tend to 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 focus and to work in a very specific manner. And uh, not only do they, uh, are they produced in, di- in different areas at different times and um, different parts of the tissue, but they also signal via very specific receptors. Uh, for example, one of the very first um, SPM receptors is the lipoxin receptor, um, also called ALX. Um, and ALX is a uh, is a G protein coupled receptor, like many of the bioactive lipid mediated receptors, and um, it's a tra- it's present on, on the plasma membrane and um, uh, mediates signaling by lipoxin, but also by other SPMs, in particular, resolvin D1. Uh, similarly, um, resolvin resolvin E2, for example, works on a on a very separate receptor it's so the EC, e resolvin receptor one ERV1 and then many more receptors have been identified. Uh, these receptors have been shown to be expressed uh, differentially. Some cells express them more than others, but overall, when we've looked at them, um, uh, Bruce, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, we found them in, in, um, in the majority of cells that are involved in, in uh, not only in the resolution of inflammation, but also in, in, in the initiation of inflammation. Neutrophils, for example, which are really the uh, diverse responders to inflammation, express ALX, and um, And it sort of makes sense, right, Bruce, because these neutrophils come in, and they already have expressed at their surface these stop signals um, and and, and are are, are primed to respond to stop signals like uh, lipoxins.
0: So the the neutrophils express the receptor, ALX, um, and this uh, receptor can uh, accept signals from multiple different SPMs. So in addition to lipoxin A4, it can uh, interact with the epimeric form of lipoxin A4 called 15-epi-lipoxin A4, and it can also interact with some of the D-series resolvents. It turns out that the receptor is expressed in more than neutrophils. It's expressed widely in leukocytes, uh, so macrophages express this, and uh, structural cells as well. So this is not only uh, a, a leukocyte expression, but in the airway, structural cells actually express the ALX receptor as well. So the receptor expression uh, helps to uh, dictate some of the cell type selective actions of these SPMs. We've talked about inhibiting neutrophils to be very concrete, uh, lipoxins or D-series resolvins that engage ALX receptors stop neutrophils from moving, neutrophils uh, undergo a shape change, Um, it inhibits azurophilic granule degranulation, it inhibits superoxide anion generation by inhibiting assembly of the NADPH oxidase, and as mentioned earlier, the lipoxin-ALX interactions actually promote monocytes, but in a really interesting way. So they, while they inhibit neutrophils, they actually promote monocyte macrophage chemotaxis. They also promote phagocytosis by the macrophages, uh, phagocytosis of microbes and debris and allergen, but also a process called efferocytosis, where the macrophages engulf apoptotic cells, in particular neutrophils, for example, in the setting of inflammation in the lung. And these are two cellular examples of distinct responses through the same SPM and receptor engagement. There's others. We recently identified that natural killer cells can actually be involved in promoting the uh, apoptosis of uh, neutrophils and eosinophils. And this seems to be relevant in the lung in the setting of tissue inflammation. And of course, this would prepare the cell, the, the apoptotic cells, for engulfment by neighboring macrophages.
1: So Bruce, I, I, this is a question that um, I, I, I used to think about a lot and that comes, out, that comes up every time uh, uh, I, we give a talk or I talk to, uh, to students. So if neutrophils um, express the ILX receptor and respond to ALX and we've also seen it in the lab where SPMs really uh, start uh, being produced very early in inflammation. Um, so, are we su- are, So Bruce, are, you su- are, are we suggesting that resolution really starts that early?
0: Uh, it, there's a wonderful review article on this, Raja, uh, and I had hoped that you had read it, but apparently Oops. not, <laughs> where it's uh, Alpha programs Omega. So, you're exactly right that uh, the initiation of the acute inflammatory response also initiates the resolution response. And, of course, the strength of the pro-inflammatory responses dictates how long and how much inflammation you get before the counter-regulatory and catabatic um, responses by these SPMs can help tether, restrain, and ultimately stop the inflammatory response. So what we see is that we have an early increase in the pro-inflammatory factors, be they cytokines, lipid mediators... Um, or other um, uh, uh, pro-inflammatory agents. And then we see a later peak uh, of the SPMs and other counter-regulatory mutators. But this is a well-orchestrated response in health, and it's as if you can tune the response up and down. And the body, of course, needs both the factors that propel a response as well as those that restrain a response in order to have a very measured response in health. What's interesting is that we see some of these fine-tuning responses go wrong in disease. This is really uh, best seen in diseases of chronic inflammation but in terms of the disease you love, ARDS, we Mm -hmm. see this also in that setting an acute inflammatory response that's untethered, that's so robust that patients are drowning in their inflammatory response and need to be supported on mechanical ventilation. So in both of those settings, chronic inflammation that never resolves, typical disease here would be severe asthma, but there are many others, and then an acute, over-exuberant inflammatory response like in ARDS, these are uh, resolution deficit um, uh, Uh, diseases. And uh, uh, we've been working on translating the healthy responses to better understand disease pathogenesis. And for example, in severe asthma, we have found that there's a deficit in the generation of uh, SPMs. And we see this both in the airway uh, in exhaled breath condensates, as well as bronchovial lavage fluid, as well as induced sputum. And it's even evident in the blood and In severe asthma, it correlates with lung function and patient symptoms um, in a very interesting way. This is not unique to severe asthma. Cystic fibrosis is another condition where we've seen this as well, for example. And uh, in terms of uh, underlying mechanisms, one of the things that's been very interesting that has been identified is that airway mucosal stores of omega-3 fatty acids, in particular DHA, are decreased in the setting of chronic inflammation. So it's almost as if there's an exhaustion of the supply of omega-3 fatty acids. And perhaps people with chronic inflammatory conditions have trouble getting enough omega-3s in their diet or just are not eating enough and to, to replenish these stores. Or there could be defects in transporters to deliver the DHA to the airway.
1: Uh, I, I think it's a uh, um, when I, f- I remember when I f- when i when I started uh, studying spms uh, with U-Boost and then uh, as I still study them uh, i think the the question of de- of a deficiency in stores is, is is an important one, and as you mentioned uh, with the deficiency in DHA and EPA in patients with cystic fibrosis and asthma, and then when I started looking at some of the trials that had been done uh, in omega three fatty acid uh, uh, you know supplementation uh, in patients with uh, either refractory acute inflammation or persistent inflammation the, the data has been has been more or less mixed isn't that triboost. i mean uh, i remember for example the uh, the omega trial to to supplement patients with the rds uh, was not positive uh, they just uh, they had no impact on uh, on outcomes but then on the other hand uh, there are prior even much earlier studies in omega-3 fatty acid supplementation in COPD, for example, um, that seemed to have uh, uh, improved clinical outcomes. And then more recently, um, a very nice study showed that uh, omega-3 fatty acid supplementation in pregnant mothers uh, decreased the incidence of asthma in, uh, in, the, in the children. Um, even uh, even if they were followed up to five years, uh, these children had, had less asthma. Um, and I think that study was important on, on many ways. First of all, it showed the the, the, uh, um, the importance of um, uh, the impact of maternal exposure and maternal uh, nutrition on uh, children's uh, children health. But also in the trial in particular, they really used very high doses of omega-3 fatty acid, which raises the question of, the, of how to design these trials, what's the right dose, and, 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 and really leaves the question of the impact of omega-3 fatty acid supplementation uh, more or less unanswered. And I'm really hoping that through some of the work we're doing and some of the work that many others are doing, we can really tease that down and, and come up with better trials.
0: Yes, Raja, this is a very complicated uh, area that has made it challenging. So it's challenging to understand the link between omega-3 fatty acids and lung health. Um, epidemiologic studies have convincingly shown that uh, there is uh, geographical differences in lung disease related to ingestion of uh, omega-3 containing diets. However, through pharmacologic supplementation, studies have been more mixed. And the study that you cited in the New England Journal uh, last year uh, was notable for uh, an important response in women who had the lowest quartile of uh, omega-3 fatty acid levels. So suggesting that there might be a threshold effect. And then in addition to decreasing the incidence of asthma, decrease the incidence of respiratory infections as well, raising some really interesting questions uh, that relate to these SPMs, that they might not only be anti-inflammatory, but also enhancing host defense. Um, this is an area that needs to be further translated to humans, but preclinical models show just that, that these models, that these molecules don't have immunosuppressive actions, On the contrary, they seem to enhance host defense. And so we're excited to see how that may be translated in the future in uh, human research. I would add uh, that there are many therapeutic opportunities here and it's a new and burgeoning area of research. There have been a few clinical trials that have been done using SPMs and we favor the SPM uh, administration directly as opposed to only Omega 3 fatty acid supplementation. Uh, in an uh, early trial in 1990 with uh, asthmatics, inhaled lipoxin A4 shifted the bronchoprovocation dose response curve to leukotriene C4. This was published in the Blue Journal um, and showed a beneficial effect at counter regulation of LTC4 uh, mediated events in the airway. More recently, there's been uh, two interesting clinical trials that have been re- reported out of China, one of which was also looking at asthma and showed a beneficial action of an inhaled uh, uh A4 analog, stable analog, that resists metabolic inactivation. And then also a topical application of lipoxid A4 uh, analog in the setting of juvenile uh, eczema. and in, in In all these settings there was a protective action for lipoxin. I would say one of the other important data sets to emerge recently that has put us really on the trail of the identifying the potential protective actions of SPMs is the recent discovery that breast milk contains very high levels of uh, SPMs and placental levels are present as well and this would suggest that there's some evolutionary advantage to the developing fetus for their health and development of provision of SPMs. So, how can we harness that therapeutically in the setting of disease? We still need to figure that out. But the preclinical science uh, appears to be uh, really gaining steam uh, for the protective actions of these molecules to promote resolution of inflammation and for tissue regeneration.
1: So what, what some of you don't realize right now is we are in sunny Puerto Vallarta in Mexico at the Eicosanoid Research Foundation. Uh, this is a uh, by, is a every two year uh, conference where lipid mediator aficionados come and, and, uh, and we talk about our science. And I first came to this conference in 2011 uh, there was already a buzz about SPMs and their impact on resolution of inflammation and on the impact of inflammation in, in, other, in many inflammatory disorders, including uh, uh, cancer, asthma, um, sepsis, and um, peritonitis. And what I've noticed, Bruce, over the years is is, is now this is my fourth conference. And the the number the 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 interest and the number of of uh, of groups and investigators studying SPM has just exploded, and in fact uh, the majority of 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 this year's conference has been on SPM, and we actually celebrated um, uh, many awards uh, for for SPM leaders, uh, including uh, um, uh, Charles Serhan, and so it's um, i it, if the trajectory continues, I think we're on a path towards really um, establishing new therapies for, uh, for patients that really we can't help. And, and I'm pretty sure that, uh, again, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm young and, and naive, and, but I, I again, like you said, the, the data shows that. Uh, um, I think we'll be able to translate to the, to, the, uh, to the bedside pretty soon.
0: Well, it's exciting for you, but it's also very exciting for me as well, having worked in this area for over 25 years. So Charlie Serhan and colleagues, um, as well as contributions of several others, have really laid down the map. They've laid down the pathways. The structural elucidation has been done. We know the double bond geometry. We know the stereochemistry of the hydroxyl groups. We know the biosynthetic pathways. Now we have to translate it. It's an incredibly exciting moment in time to take what's been learned at the basic level to now translate to make a difference, certainly in lung health, but also in many other, as you're alluding to, many other settings uh, for for health promotion. So uh, this is an incredibly exciting time to be in the resolution biology business, and uh, we expect uh, that many of these uh, early efforts at translation will lead to important discoveries for pathogenesis, our better understanding of how Diseases occur and are perpetuated, uh, but also coming up with new treatment strategies. So stay tuned. There's much more to come, and uh, join us if you are a nascent re- resolutionist. Join in the fun,
1: Bruce. Uh, th- I love these talks. Thank you so much for your perspective. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a pri- I know it's a privilege for me, and i and and I hope we can, you know, uh, we. I'd, I'd love to share this excitement with everybody who's listening. Uh, I think our emails will be listed. Uh, please don't hesitate to contact uh, myself or Bruce. Uh, we'd love to uh, hear from you, um, ha- um, see your comments and and, and share and so we can share um, our excitement and optimism. Uh, thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much for listening and for your interests. Have a good day.